We're all often very clear about what customers should expect from us. We're all trained and tuned to sell our services that way, but how often are we crystal clear about what we expect from a client? If you're honest, do you pander or do you genuinely serve the customer's goals, the ones they've actually told you they want to achieve, but often they seem a little unwilling to do what's needed? This week, my guest is Brandy Lawson. Defining what she does seems hard at first, but when we dig into things, she's done an outstanding job of specialising and filling the needs of a very particular type of business owner. Hi there, and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur show. I'm Bob Gentle, and every Monday I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new to the show, take a second right now to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes, and you can grab some older ones when you're done with this one. Don't forget as well, you can join my Facebook group. Just visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders and you'll be taken right there. So welcome along and let's meet Brandy. So this week I am thrilled to welcome Brandy Lawson to the show. Brandy runs Fiery FX. Brandy, you're in Phoenix and why don't you introduce who you are where you are and the kind of work you do. Thank you, Bob. Yes, Phoenix, indeed, um, you and I were just discussing, it's still a little warm here. So I'm Brandy Lawson, and I help clients with leveraging what, what I've come to call the four simple machines of business. But really, I love technology, and not everybody loves technology. <laughs> and so that is what we've set out to help clients do is really harness many facets of the places in business where when we apply force, it gets amplified in amazing ways. I like that. I like <laughs> the idea of the points where you apply force. That makes so much sense because everything's effort. Oh, yes. Um, and really crystallizing it down to there are four places where you apply it. Um, tell me more. So um, it kind of goes to, this is a, a, a succinctness that has only come recently um as i did i've i've been doing weekly videos for about mm, two years and talking about the various topics and um when we went to fiery effects because i started my business as a different under a different name um i almost stopped doing websites completely and that's what we've been doing for for clients because nobody knows what they need out of a website and if i can't build something that gets results i don't want to i want i don't want to do anything at all and so I've been trying to figure out, like, are we a marketing agency? Um, am I a chief technology officer? How, like, what do we actually help businesses with? Because it was very multifaceted and hard to describe. So we, when we became Fire Effects, we were a marketing agency because people seem to be able to wrap their heads around that. And we lead yeah. with strategy. But in actuality, like, once we get you in the door, <laughs> there were these four places that we found are we are good at and can help businesses with. And when we help businesses with these, these four places that they can make their impact so much more quickly on the world. And those are websites, smart business, analytics, and technology. And now I can articulate it. But in the, in the early days of business, I think many of us find that we especially if we don't kind of fit in an existing box, we kind of struggle to explain what we do. And I think it takes some working with clients, but I think it also takes some working with other 
people who can reflect back to you what you're good at for us to kind of finally sift through it and be able to go, ah, aha. And so it, it actually came to me as I was listening to an audiobook where um, the author was talking about a lever and he describes the lever. He's like, yeah, lever, you know, it, it amplifies the force you put on it. I was like, there it is. These are simple machines. This is the physics concept of a simple machine, but in business, because if we apply effort in these particular places, we magnify its force, we change the direction of what's on the other end. And so that's kind of how I finally be able <laughs> to talk more succinctly about what it is we do and how we help clients. I really like that because I was speaking to somebody the other day who said you must have a framework. If you mm. want to be able to clearly communicate what you do and stand out, yes. the best way to do that is with a, a framework that's got your own flavor on it. I think lot, there are lots of different flavors, lots of different frameworks for for explaining marketing strategies. Yes. But having your own one that really has your own flavor that is as succinct as yours is, I imagine, quite powerful. How much of an impact has that had on your ability to communicate what you do? Oh, it's been, it's been epically <laughs> business changing, honestly. Um, and I think the other piece of that is, yes, having a framework is super helpful. Getting there is a journey, for sure. And um, you and I talked about we we're actually launching a podcast. And when it came to naming the podcast, if I would not have had my framework, that would have been a lot harder. Also, having that framework allows me to even look at how we do content, because as we do, as we produce content, and now as we're doing the podcast episodes, I'm taking a business topic, and then we're taking that through our four simple machines of business. So I did a video series called That's Not What Email Is For, because if you really want to get me on a soapbox topic, we'll talk about email. I have your um, YouTube open here. I can see your face and you look angry. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, so that's not what email is for. Um, and so basically, I take the idea of email and then I take it through the four simple machines. So like, how does how does email relate to websites? Well, that is your form submissions. If your form submissions are just coming to your inbox, that's not what email is for. <laughs> um, and then smart business, talking about the process you have for your to-do list. If it's stuck in your inbox, that you're actually letting other people prioritize your day. And then we look at it through analytics. If your reports are coming to your email, that's also not what email is for because we know that they're not going to get looked at if they're in their, your email box. And then finally, the technology talking about what powers your email. Um, so that it, it having that framework not just allows me to be able to answer my, you know, do my elevator pitch or help somebody understand what we do, but it, it actually ties into how we produce content. And um, it's very powerful when we're making decisions. But this, this is a lesson that I also knew about how because we help clients with marketing strategy is like, when we do that big strategic plan, which we call ignition, everything gets easier. Because you have essentially now a framework or a plan or we've we've talked about what the big picture is now we can make decisions more easily that even ties further back into like your values if you haven't articulated your values as a business decisions are harder um i was talking to somebody the other day about they were ready to hire, hire a salesperson i'm like well great so did you revisit your values and decide you know let that guide you to hiring so having these as you put it bob frameworks 
um, not just from a you know, how we help people, but like, or a marketing plan, but also the values are sort of a framework for your business. And that it just makes every decision easier. I can really, really see that. Having been in the situation where I wanted to hire somebody to do sales, you have some tough choices to make. Mm. I mean, do you want them to just go out and bring in sales no matter what? Or do you want them to go out and sort of evangelize your business and tell your story because they're not going to perform as well? Right. Are you playing a short game or a long game? These things really matter. Yes. Um, so yeah, I can see exactly why you would want to integrate that. Also, your content. I mean, something I really liked about your four machines mm. is that productivity is one of them, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I, I know from working with clients that the number one challenge most business owners have around promoting their business online isn't technology it isn't content it's time yes they just feel paralyzed by the choices they have to make and the time they have to to deploy and just end up doing nothing Uh, yes yes the the smart business um and the reason i didn't call it like it is process it is operations it is productivity but the reason i landed on smart business is because of my journey in bringing operations into our business so um my background is actually as a product director. Um, I manage products like physical charger products. So if you want me to bore you with like telling you how I think what I think about UL certification and um, plastic mold tolerances, like, <laughs> but um, in that in that position, a documentation and operations were critical. So I I appreciate the value of it. But when it came to my own business, like. I don't think for a million dollars I would have sat down and typed out and done screenshots for a process because it just, it's so grating to me. I knew I needed it. I couldn't do it that way. And then I discovered the screencasting and I was like, oh, oh, wait, what? I can, I can (laughs) document my processes this way. I, I will do that. Like, again, smart business for me is understanding the value of operations and productivity and finding the way that it works for you. Because I spent a lot of time trying to adopt other people's (laughs) processes, Um, beating my head against planning um, for a lot of the early times of my businesses. And it just, it it didn't fit. And if it doesn't fit, I'm not going to do it. So smart business is about finding the operational processes and procedures and the productivity that fits for you. So how do you engage with a client what's that conversation look like because they've they've probably gone out looking for a web designer or a marketing agency (laughs) uh yes you know that this is also these these conversations with prospective clients has also shaped a lot of the conversation we have now um but also a lot of my perspective about how how to work with experts um because just like i i think there's several other places in business where everybody's been burned. And I don't always think that it is because the the provider is nefarious, but um, so many web people get into the business being very good at their job, but not good business people or good operations people. And so there's a lot of over-promising and under-delivering and notoriously web people are are disappearing. So when we start to talk to somebody about working with them, Um, very early on, I help them understand one, we're not for everybody like that affordable is not on my website. That's not what we are. What we are is thorough results oriented 
and ready to, to make decisions in your business easier through using our four simple machines. Um, the other piece of this is I have very candid, one of, one of our values is Velvet Hammer. And what that <laughs> means, <laughs> it's actually a nickname that my, my biz bestie gave me. Um, but what that means is that we have candid conversations with love candid conversations with grace. And so a sales call with me, um, when we're talking with prospective clients is really kind of getting into the nitty gritty of what, what they're after, um, what they want, what their business goals are, uh, really seeing if, if we're the right people to help. But then the sort of the test conversation that I have with clients is I will tell them during the course of our work together, I will never ask you if you like it because your opinion doesn't belong here. And sometimes I get, <laughs> sometimes I get real interesting reactions, but the truth of the matter is marketing is not for the, the business. The marketing is for the prospective clients. We have, we will set goals. We will identify who we're talking to. And then everything we do is for them. I don't care if you think the button should be blue. Your opinion doesn't belong here. That it's not going to get us results. What, what we will do is measure it and see how many clicks it gets versus traffic. And we might test it, but I'm not gonna ask you if you like it. I really like that. I've actually had to write that down. Marketing is not for you, it's for the prospective client. Yes. I think every client needs to hear that. It's probably <laughs> gonna be the title of this podcast. Ooh, ooh, I love it. Um, well, it's <laughs> it's one of those things that when, I think when we're starting out, I can think about you know the, the brandy of 2012, just getting started with my business, just getting started with websites, not having the confidence, not having the experience, not having the the place to come from as a, a seasoned expert with my clients. And the only thing I have is to ask them if they like it. So it's sort of, um, it, it's a very immature way to go about doing things. And the net result of that is that it doesn't get it doesn't move the business forward. Like that doesn't actually help. And um, another another marketing agency owner told me one time about a friend of hers who was working with this other agency and they just kept redesigning because the, the client was sort of emotionally invested in the design. And so they just kept redesigning. And she was like $30,000 into a non-finished website. And my, my, my friend was just angry, like hair on fire. And I'm like, yes, I, I, I agree. That's a total misuse. But everybody's invested in the wrong thing here. <laughs> and that's pervasive in the industry. So helping reset. And I think this also goes into the how we work with experts. Because I've seen web projects in particular go wrong in one of two ways. Either the web designer says, do you like it? Do you like it? And like, lets the client trample all over <laughs> or the client bulldozes them and ne like never lets them do show up with their expertise. So we have to, when we're working with experts, I think we have to, it's most beneficial to set out, set forth the goal. What is the result that we want? and then allow both parties to work towards that in their area of expertise. But it does take both parties coming from a place of confidence. I think it's something that I've seen very, very often, and I've been guilty of in my business. I used to run quite a large web agency. Mm -hmm. And if, if you, I guess if you like most web agencies, you tend to 
hire quite inexperienced people mm. because mm-hmm. that's just where the talent pool tends to be. There isn't mm-hmm. a fantastic career ladder for most designers or developers. Right. So they tend to move out of the industry quite young, even when they're quite talented because the opportunities just aren't there or they have to move city. Mm. And for that reason, a lot of high value projects go to potentially really inexperienced people. Right. And the business owners just want it taken care of. And so you end up with a website that looks pretty, mm. but it, it, it's not doing anything for anybody. Yes. And that's a real problem. And it's a real yeah. shame. It, it is. And it's, um, I've called it the pageant contestant versus the intern. Like, you know, we don't want a, a website that's a pageant contestant who's only like, <laughs> who looks nice parading around. We want an intern, like the hardest working <laughs> underpaid person in your company that your website should be the intern and not the pageant contestant that's a very very good analogy so i am curious to know i kind of understand what your business is and where your value is and that makes perfect sense and i can completely see why your business has grown and is growing um there are a couple of things for me that stand out in your business and your practice and one of them is if i was to go out and I'm going to put you for a moment into the web design box. Okay. So forgive me. No, I'm um, okay. But I think the web the website is a big part of your business. Mm-hmm. A, a, it's quite a masculine industry a lot of the time. Mm. Would you say that's fair to say? I say that is fair to say. I have seen it change. So yeah, yeah. Since since we we started, like, so we are nine years old. I've worked in the tech slash web area for uh, more than 20 um it's definitely evolving but it's still pretty masculinely dominated yeah and i think that wasn't really my point my point was all those guys in that industry they've had so many opportunities to stand out and shine and so many don't Mm. and you're putting effort into video content you're speaking you're being a content creator you're you're doing all the right things, getting on podcasts. A, how comfortable are you doing that? Um, and and B, how much has that impacted the success that you're having now? Or is oh, it, are you quite early in that journey? No, no. So I feel very, very fortunate that as a teenager, I was involved in an organization where I did a lot of public speaking, a lot of impromptu speaking. Um, I'm very comfortable with it. In fact, um, (laughs) when we started doing, when I started on the podcast episodes, most of my videos are, I have two bullet points and I just speak to it. Um, only when I finally got to the podcast and my scripting things, uh, because I'm trying to keep under time, I'm, I'm very comfortable speaking. So I very much embraced that and found it to be a great asset. Um, thinking back to my career in corporate, I really think I, I could have harnessed that more. But I've had opportunity as a business owner to do that. And then it is hugely impactful because when you are a podcast guest, when you create video content, when you take any opportunity to be on a stage that could be in front of your your video camera and then your video camera, your phone, <laughs> um, and then publishing that on, on a social channel, anytime you're on a stage, it establishes authority. So people will value that information. Um, so I always try to make sure it is valuable information. But 
it is very transformative for any business, but I think especially agency owners where we are constantly pushing against this perception of value of, you know, not, not being all the terrible mechanics, like not being the used car salesman, uh, pushing against people's experiences um, and trying to, for me, trying to get them to make better decisions before they even get to me. (laughs) If I can speak somewhere and give you a nugget that you go take and implement, then by the time you're ready to be a client, you're going to be a better client. So I think it's twofold. It helps establish authority, but I think it also helps seed the ground, prepare the ground <laughs> for prospective clients so that they're just better clients when they get to you. I think something I'm curious about, because this is a live issue for me and it's my podcast, I can ask my questions. <laughs> so if a listener doesn't like it, you know where I am. <laughs> the, the things that you could speak about, there's a universe there. Ah. How do you crystallize it down to, this is the thing I'm going to speak about? Well, this is always and- a puzzle for me. It, it, it's, it's a real conundrum. Um, in the early days, I spoke about things that were so, my soapbox issues. So uh, I think one of my first talks was, get what was it? Uh, I had a very catchy title. It was, um, it was like six ways to get more done tomorrow since cloning isn't an option yet. Like it was really focused around productivity and um, ending the misuse of email because that's a real soapbox issue for me, as we've talked about. Um, But then I started honing more in on the issues my clients were coming to me with, or the, what I want to call them, secondary issues. So we typically know that the symptom, the thing that's paining you, is not necessarily always the issue. It's not the problem. The symptom is what finally gets you to go to the doctor so that they can then diagnose the actual problem and take care of it. Uh, and so I was started looking for what the symptoms were with my, my clients and trying to construct content around those things and even like break it down into very small bite-sized pieces. Cause that's the other thing, the other mistake I made early on. And I, I finally hired a speaking coach who talked me out of it was I was in love with the, how the, the, for lack of a better analogy, how the sausage is made. Like these are all the actual small little things we're going to do. We're going to go, we're going to make this and do that. And just to be honest, the, the client does not care. The client doesn't want an education in web design or, or marketing. The client just wants the result. And so it's like, all right. So I shouldn't just vomit all over them, all of the details that I think are so interesting. What I really need to talk about is what pain they're in and one small step that they could start solving their pain. And so I think that's part of how I got to the framework. And then that's how I'm trying to use the framework for speaking now. So one of my recent talks is called tiny tech hacks. So I lure them in (laughs) with solving the problem of small things. There are seriously tiny programs on my computer that I have no idea how I functioned without. So I lure them in with that. But before I give that to them, I give them a framework for making decisions about technology in their business, because this is constantly places people get hung up on. So to long way around to answer your question, Bob, uh, is that I've now started looking at the symptoms of that people are trying to fix. I speak to the symptom, I give them the ibuprofen or cough syrup or whatever, and then I reveal to them 
some of what might be behind that symptom. So that's how I'm starting to now construct my talks and choose my topics. I think that's really interesting because I, I was at a conference, it was Chris Tucker's conference in the mm. UK, and there was a guy, Dale, Dale something from Australia. Sorry, Dale. <laughs> uh, and he gave a talk that was quite similar. It was five apps that will change your life. Mm. And it was all apps I'd never heard of before. And it was ridiculously memorable. I mean, there were some, it was a, a stellar speaker list, outstanding speaker list. But his was one of the most memorable, practical yeah. talks. It was really, really useful. So I can totally see why you would go there. So I'm curious to know, for a lot of agencies, the answer to this question is anyone with money. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> what does a good client fit look like for you? So a good client fit for us is somebody aligned with our values. I I have them on, a home, on our homepage for a reason. Um, also, a good client fit for us is somebody who is willing to be coached. And I struggled a long time with the, that word coached. Um, but I've re- realized that we like working with clients who are ready to step into the next place. So for some clients, that's a pivot. For some clients, that's launching a new business line. Uh, for some clients, it's uh, remodeling the Dr. Seuss house uh, that they've built so that they can actually host a party and the staircase isn't in the middle of the living room. Um, but I could give them the all of the best assets but if they are not prepared to use them they're worthless so part of providing the service at this point is helping the client change and be prepared to use them and it's not necessarily something we talk about at the at the front end but it is certainly something i've discovered that we must do as a service provider to make sure we all get the results we want at the end. So for us, a good fit client is someone who's ready and willing to be coached and um, and aligned with our values. Because I find when, when we, they can check those two boxes, we love our clients. Like I r- routinely will <laughs> sign off a Zoom call with like, love you. <laughs> And mean it because that's that's the kind of relationship I want to have as a service provider to a business. So something Gary Vaynerchuk said was that every business should be 80% whatever they do for money and 20% media company. And mm-hmm. I think for a lot of a lot of business owners, they try and delegate or, or, or contract out that 20%. But it sounds to me like what you're saying is for those companies that want to embrace that 20%, and take ownership of it, you want to help them make that happen. Would that be fair to say? That that would be fair to say, yes. Yeah, now that's that's really interesting. That is very much aligned with, with my philosophy, I think. I used to try and fool myself into thinking, oh, we can do everything, we just take care of it. It doesn't work. It's never worked. It never, ever worked. <laughs> no, so that- having that client that, that just wants to be a partner rather than the supplier client, Yes. Oh, yes. But, I think that's so critical. And then I yesterday was having the the, the niching conversation with yet another <laughs> agency. Um, and for us, like I will only really talk to clients in our niche and our niche is service businesses, which is a large niche, obviously, but um, have, being able to define the client set that you serve 
is not only useful for marketing, but the operations side, because again, there's this, I think there's this life cycle of agency and then, and, and part of up the hill is getting leads or getting sales. But then there's this real treacherous terrain of now you've sold all these things and you need to fulfill them. And if they are all over the map, fulfilling them is just at that point, not smart business. <laughs> it's, it's really, really painful. So niching is one of the most terrifying things I think to do as a business, but it, and uh, this business owner I was talking to, she's like, there needs to be a support group. I'm like, there's totally support groups for people who are working through this niching thing. Um, but is the, the best thing you can do, especially if you are in a growth phase so that you can focus on that. It, now you may have multiple niches later, um, or you may at some point consciously choose to take something outside your niche, but the, we take anybody who says yes, um, really, I think is so painful on the operational side of a business that as soon as you can kind of clean that up, things become much, <laughs> life becomes much better. I think you've kind of answered what was going to be my next question, because <laughs> I was going to say, how can you, for how would you plug in this philosophy and this structure to a business, for example, like a very large electrical contracting company. So a, a company that just did electrical installations, they had 50 employees. The business owner wasn't really willing to show up in your marketing. Could you work with them? I'm guessing the answer is no. Um, no, no. If the business owner isn't, well, it, it depends. If we needed the business owner to show up in the marketing, that's one thing. If they have another spokesperson, that's another thing. Um, but no, I, I want to have business owners that are, willing to do willing to enter into the trust relationship with me and then willing to do what i tell them to do <laughs> that this is yeah. the back to the expert uh, it's also that my question about i'll never ask you if you like it um is is a good vetting question because uh it people who are willing to be coached will kind of like sit back in their chair for a moment and think about it and then go, oh, I see what you're saying. And then we'll probably have a conversation. People who are not a good fit for us get real bristly real fast. <laughs> <laughs> so my next question is about catchment area because a lot of people in our industry, are, although they're theoretically digital, they actually tend to operate within a very narrow geographical catchment area. And most of the time people can trace their work to it's either coming through uh, the results of inbound marketing or it's coming through ads or it's coming through referrals or it's coming through outbound sales mm -hmm. so what does that whole mix look like for you how does how does opportunity tend to find its way to way to you and geographically what does that look like so geographically we're kind of all over the map a bit. Now I do have a, a concentration of clients in Phoenix because of referrals. So I'd say yeah. our mix is probably 40% um, referrals. If I include, if I include like networking in referrals, because typically I'm involved in organizations that then lend themselves to me having more business, but I would call that a referral. So what do I say? 40% referrals, 30% appearances. 
appearances. Yeah, that counts. And then uh, I, I would call that I would call that content. <laughs> call content. Okay, content. Well, uh, so would you classify speaking under content? Let's not worry about yeah. it. Spe- speaking right. is fine. Okay. Um, so we'll call it, well, yeah, 30% content and then 30% outreach uh, because I do try to still identify clients we want to work with. So I, part of what we love to do is help other people making change in the world. So if I see somebody who is making impact and we could help amplify that impact then i i want to reach out and make sure that they know we exist because that's the other thing i hear time and time again from from clients it's like they say i i didn't know someone like you existed like i'm working to change that (laughs) um so yeah that's sort of our mix and i'm interested so you said if if i were to put a percentage against the phoenix and Mm. greater phoenix arizona say what percentage is Arizona based? Um, I think we're 50-50. I think we're 50% Arizona based, 50% not global. I had some international clients for a while, but um, definitely all over the US. So yeah, 50, 50% Phoenix, 50% the rest of the US. You see, from everything you've described at the beginning of, of the, our talk, I kind of knew that, that that was going to be the answer, but I think it's an important <laughs> thing for people to hear because most people in our space don't do that and it's important to understand what's possible if you actually reach out a little further if you Mm. do the content marketing if you do push yourself outside of your comfort zone if it is uncomfortable to do speaking or podcast interviews yes because those little steps they aggregate up and they aggregate up to put you in front of opportunities that your local competitors just aren't going to see i think you're a fantastic case study of that no thank you so what are your goals for the podcast what are you where are you with that so the first eight episodes so the trailer and the first eight episodes are edited and i'm ready to go up on libsyn and start and be queued up we're getting the rest of the promotional so the the art and the social posts and the rest of that we're kind of gathering together so we're on the cusp and i I think ready to to make our, our second week of november debut um and my goal with the podcast was to one have some discipline for me to create content that could be impactful for for businesses so with my videos i've been doing those for i think it's been two years um where i do weekly videos go out on the website and social and I've been like just bouncing from topic to topic, basically I just brain dump a bunch of topics and then do it. And now that I have a framework, I'm like, oh, okay, well, we can use this. And then I'm trying to make it so that a listener can, the episodes tend to be about five to six minutes. A listener can in that time get a concept, understand why. So we also have a framework haha, inside of the podcast <laughs> where I talk about the problem, the purpose, the, mm, there's another P and then the payoff, the problem, the purpose, the, basically how you go about solving it and then the, the payoff. So, and I think that's a useful framework because it, as human beings, you know, we're, we're messy. We don't always do the thing we know is the right thing to do. So with that framework, um, we walk through 
it in and so your mind can grasp grasp onto oh yes that is a problem i have oh oh this is this is actually the purpose of the thing this is the process of oh, there it is the process of changing it and then oh the payoff because if we don't talk about what it looks like on the other side we're less motivated to go make the change so inside of each podcast that's the structure and then i'm hoping that in that week the business owner will go take action and make this small change so that they can so the podcast is basically a organized way to go help impact more businesses and make them better clients for whoever ends up helping them with their marketing. I really like that format because I think I often look at any book I read or a podcast I listen to or a video I watch. If I get one idea that's actionable, then it's, it's been worth it. Right. And you're just focusing on the one actionable idea. That's really clever. Oh, th- thank you. And I, uh, I got to give <laughs> Tara Newman the shout out for the the purpose process payoff is is her framework. And then I added the problem to the the beginning of it because each each time we're we're talking about you know pain point in business. I love it. And are there are any of your team getting involved with the podcast, or are they thinking, no, to, um, Brandy, you keep that to yourself? <laughs> So so far, I'm I'm the only one in front of the microphone, but I, I really do want to have my project manager slash integrator come on um, and talk about a few things because this is also something else. A, a few conversations I've had recently with agency owners as they struggle to delegate or um, improve the smart business aspect of their businesses. It's it, it really, you know, when you're in the middle of it, it seems so impossible. And so I think having, again, going through that framework of here's, here's the problem, here's the purpose, here's the process and the payoff um, in little bite sizes can really help get through it just, you know, some of the mental barriers. I think back to the early days of my agency and what that looked like. And that the barriers were all me <laughs> and how I was yeah. viewing things and the things I was, quote unquote, unwilling to do. Um, but when I became willing to do them through finding a way that worked for me, it was magic. It's just magic. So, you know, helping climb those little internal mental mountains. I love it. I think one of the, the things that's really stuck with me over recent interviews was Jamie Cross, who's also from somewhere around where you are. She's in Texas, not too far away. Yeah. She said that your business will only grow when you grow. Mm-hmm. And I thought that explains so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So coming from a partial software background, um, how I started thinking about that was, okay, Brandy version 2020.10 is going to be not as good as brandy version 2020.11 like i need to keep versioning myself because this version Mm. of myself isn't yet capable of achieving the goals that i have but i can keep becoming the person who's capable of, of those goals and for me another powerful shift was letting go of achieving the goal itself and being more invested in becoming the version of myself that could achieve that goal i love it Brandy Lawson, you have been a fantastic guest. If people want to connect with you, how would you like them to do that? You can connect with us at fieryeffects.com or any of the social channels at the, the same handle. We'd, lo- we'd love to connect. And 
I must remember to ask this question. I don't think I've forgotten it for a long time now. <laughs> and that's, what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago? A debriefing and planning. Um, when I came out of corporate, I had the biggest planning hangover because in corporate once a year, we'd do this big brouhaha. We'd do this big five-year plan, which was hilarious. Um, and then we, the next, after the planning, we just all go back to work and forget about planning. So it, it felt so useless. Um, and then I guess a couple of years, I, about four years ago, I found the 90 day year and I was like, oh, oh, five, I don't have to plan for five years. I could do 90 days. Well, that, that seems doable. So I, I started there and I found different ways to, to do the planning. Um, and it was still, you know, a little hit or miss, but I was, I was, I was doing it. And then a couple years ago, I found Tara Newman's debriefing CEO debrief. I started doing that and it's again, humans were messy. It's so powerful for my brain to, I now do it every day, once a day, go, what worked today? Like what's working? Because when I allow myself the time to reflect back to what works, I keep doing what's working. Cause I don't know about you, Bob, but I will find something that works. And I'm like, this is great. This, and then suddenly a couple weeks later, I will figure out I'm not doing it anymore. I'm like, when did I stop yeah. doing that? Why did I stop? But with, with this process of a quick, it takes five minutes to go through like what's work, what's working, what's not working. What would I do differently to just answer those questions every day and then make myself a plan for the next day is life and business changing. It's so powerful. And the five year ago, Brandy would have been like, there's you, you crazy. There's no way I'm doing daily debriefing, debriefing and planning, but I really wish I would have started it five years ago. That's a fantastic answer. Brandy, I've had the best time. It's been great fun. It's been lovely to meet you. And yeah, thank you very much for your time. I've had so much fun talking with you, Bob. Thanks so much for having me. There was so much value in this episode. To the specific person Brandy serves, she brings a standout framework and a very particular set of goals and expectations. She's very focused on who she serves, where they hang out, and what they need to accomplish, and has built a framework she can communicate and a service set to deliver it predictably. She's nailed down systems and she's confidently expanding while others are scratching their heads and wondering how. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe and if you haven't already to join my Facebook group, you'll find a link in the show notes or just visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders or just search Amplify Insiders on Facebook. I would love for you to connect with me on social media. Follow me wherever you hang out. You'll find me at Bob Gentle. And if you do, message me, let me know so I can follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It means a lot to me and it's the very best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Brandy for giving us her time this week and to you for listening. And see you next week.